to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald, Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, joined as always by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Um, the regular season's over, and it's now time of the year to start sort of looking forward. We obviously have a kind of bunch of different things we're going to hit on today. We'll and and looking back. Yeah, we'll look back at the, the regular season as a whole. Um, but I guess we, we got to start with the last two weeks, really. Really, the, the Duke game, you know, FIU was, was rock bottom, right? But Duke was, they found a way to dig just a little bit deeper and maybe rock yes, bottom for the offense. Um, that's obviously the big question right now is what can they do? To, it, it's deja vu, right? Last year we spent this time last year being like, how are they going to fix the offense? And 12 months later, it's hasn't progressed really at all other than maybe they feel a little bit better at their quarterback situation but but for the most part it was just as dire this year as it was 12 months ago yes and and all of a sudden and they 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 really did pretty well injury wise this year yeah. right and then dj at the end of the year yeah and dj at the, at the end of the year, year. there were pinkney missed maybe one i think but um yeah brevin but yeah towards the end very end of the season it seems like things got worse, and and yeah, certainly at the Duke game, yeah. I mean, I, I I I was thinking, and I know we're going to talk about the bowl later, but um, yeah, Duke, do I had a bad feeling before the Duke game, but now with um, with DJ definitely out, he was injured at mm-hmm. FIU, right, his elbow, and with Brevin Jordan, all of a sudden he, he's in on one play, yeah, and he re-aggravates. That's what. That's what Manny Diaz said. That foot, I guess the left foot, and uh, where we have John John Campbell, and um, who's the other? The, Navon, oh, Navon Donaldson yeah. out. Piled up. And all of a sudden, and and oh, Cam Cameron Harris, who yes. is DJ's and backup, was great also, who's really great. talented. Yeah. Okay, so now you've got all these guys out on offense, uh-huh. and they're. It, you know they were hurting there anyway there and now i mean i just to me it doesn't look good for the bowl game i hate to be a downer yeah. but um yeah i just i just had to say that because um it's like just just gone from bad to worse yeah i, I guess you know the, the big question kind of everywhere and it's where we have to start is what can they do to fix this offense is it time for big structural change. Everyone wants to talk about the spread. Everyone wants to talk about Dan Enos's future. Um, what it would... I don't know. Everyone, I mean, it really kind of cracked. You know, it looked promising, obviously, in the Louisville really game. Where promising. they scored 40-some points, 42 points, something like that, 45 points, or 52 points. 52. All right. Um, Jaron threw for six touchdowns. Everything seemed to click. And then, you know, the Duke game in a weird, like, I don't want to say it was excusable because it wasn't excusable but it was right. in the rain the offensive yeah. line was all hurt in the horrible rain yeah, I mean I, it, it was yeah, just yeah. torrential so like, rain you know, that's a game straight. where you're not going to score but it was just the combination right. of that and the FIU game it, it does feel like there has to be some sort of change on that side of the ball again which is crazy because we had this exact same conversation mm-hmm. last year they well, made a change they made a they changed everything they changed the entire offensive staff and it just kind of you know, they average, I think, fewer points per game this year than they did last year. They were dead last in the country in three point in third down conversion. Yeah, just is they have to make a change again, which is but not what, good. What, when you say they have to make a change, are you talking coach? Because I'm I'm thinking about it and I'm like, okay, uh, 
they have what they have as far as quarterbacks go. Yeah. They have Tyler Van Dyke coming in, right? Yeah, uh, who's very I, I like him a lot, but again, it's a but true he plays. Doesn't he play for and, a very small yeah, program? He plays in right away, and, okay, I see Connecticut. Yeah. And Seth, yeah, I mean, Seth I would Hulk not bank on him being the starter. Yeah, I mean, you and you're like, okay, he plays for the small program, not yeah. a powerhouse in in Connecticut. All right, he's great. I mean, and supposedly he look, he's fabulous. Yeah, he I mean, looks really good. Um, but you know, college is a whole different thing, and um, you know, you have to make a change. I I'm one that doesn't think it has to be a like just change the whole offense okay because they did poorly now change it all to to a spread i think it would be nice to incorporate some more spread and i would love the idea because i remember in previous years um several years ago they they did integrate more um no huddle Mm -hmm. uh hurry up offense and that really and they that really did put the defense kind of out of sync a little bit um that would be kind of cool to see. As far as Dan Enos, that's confusing. The offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, that's a little confusing to me also because, you know, Jaron was getting so much better and you're mm-hmm. we're thinking, wow, there you go. That's the that's Tua's coach. That's yeah. Jalen Hurts' coach, right? That former quarterbacks coach. And uh, he's going to be the answer. And they did. He seems really... Enos is very particular and yeah, detailed Yeah, he certainly and smart. has a good track record as a quarterback's coach. Really I think it's really hard to argue that he argue against him as a good quarterback's I coach. Agree. Not just because of what he did with Tua and Jalen Hurts, who are, you know, Tua, Tua is a potentially generational talent, and, and Jalen Hurts is right. you know, a superstar also. But, he, you know, he did Brandon, Al- or, yeah, Brandon Allen at Arkansas. He had a lot of success with. Um, at Central Michigan, I'm blanking on the court, but he could put a quarterback in the NFL when he was the head coach of Central. Like, right? It's not just the Alabama thing. So he was good that way, but then <laughs> it's like, okay, he's also the offensive coordinator. Okay, yeah. what do we think of his play calling? And um, I don't know. I, yeah, you could you couldn't be too. I mean, they didn't score a lot of points, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, yeah. and they. Their offense was definitely lacking on third down and stuff. So yeah. who's that to blame? I mean, yeah, the third the receiver the, coach. The, the big question <laughs> you got to figure out because it changes the whole season is the third. What happened on third down this year? And you can't just chalk it up to chance. Like you know, obviously some of it is chance. Like what you know, it's just another down. But you were dead last in the country, and it was everywhere. Every other category. If you if that is just average, if you're 60th in the country, you're gonna that's that was gonna be a pretty good offense, not a great right. offense, right? But that was the root of so much of this season. Um, part of it was you know probably more third and longs than you would have liked because of the offensive line, but it was still it's because it wasn't just that it was that and red zone scoring and that is where. Play calling comes into it. You know, you're just trying to manufacture in a lot of situations three or four yards to keep the chains moving. Um, obviously, execution. You know, Jaron was not good in third down situations. Obviously, right. uh, so figuring out what went wrong there and whether it was the play calling was all over the place or whether it was the, the scheme was putting you in too many third and long situations. 
there was something that led to it all, and, and that should be priority number one is figure out what went wrong there and how you can fix it. Yeah, and do, and, and do you want to... I think it's really dangerous to start changing a lot of coaches. Again, mm-hmm. there is absolutely no continuity yeah. in this program. If they, I mean, Manny comes in and he fires the whole offensive staff, right? Right, and, yep. and and some special teams too, people. Yeah. And, and well, yeah, Huck, Todd right? Hartley was special. Yeah, Todd. Guys, so. And um, and then you know, t- you want to bring somebody else in now to teach mm-hmm. the quarterbacks again? That would be Jaron's third quarterbacks coach right. in three um, years. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have the answer for that one. I don't, I don't know if Manny Diaz has the answer, and I don't know if he's going to make any changes at all. I mean, also. Like on the defensive side of the ball, um, Blake Baker comes in as a defensive coordinator, and you know Manny had said they they still had a the defense is still good. This they still year. had a really nice defense. They just especially considering up how much they were on the on the field. Yeah, when you're not uh, converting third downs, you're it means the defense so is on true, the field a lot. so true. They they there were some things that I think the kids just didn't get at certain points mm-hmm. and made big. Big mistakes, you know. The third, also third downs. Yeah. On third downs, defensive, um, and we knew that the defense was going to have some pains um, without Manny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, wh- whether or not he said toward the end of the season he was going to spend more time on the yeah. defense. I mean, and that and that definitely did, you know, did happen. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what he's going to do there. I don't know if he feels pressured. To make any changes, I don't know. I don't know. I've covered this team a long time, and I've seen certain patterns with coaches. You know, usually when the head coach starts getting really in trouble and backed right. against the wall, they start firing. I mean, that's is the question, right? That is, it's how hot is Manny's hot seat right now? He's not going to get fired. Like, I think that's obvious. Oh. But could he get fired next year? Because if he yeah. get fired after next year, yeah, I think then so. he has, Then it becomes desperation time, right? It becomes the time where you can't. If you don't think that Dan Enos is going to run your offense well enough for you to well, then everything changes. Nine games, then, when new yeah. coaches come in, well, I'm get... saying even looking into next year, if Manny knows he has to win eight or nine games to save his job, right? And he doesn't think that the offense they have in place or the offensive person, staff they have in place can get them to eight or nine wins, then he ha- has to make a change. Right, he can't but... be thinking we want continuity because in two no, years. Agree. But that's David. That's a pattern I'm talking about. I know. About. I know. It's I have a seen. Cycle. I've seen yeah. Larry Coker fire his entire. St- you know, all these longtime assistants just can them all, and then yeah. he's canned the next year. I mean, I, right. I've seen this play it's out. Not a, it's a vicious cycle, and it's been as happening Manny Diaz here. would say, I've seen this. Story right, he before. knows it better than I, anyone, right? Yeah, right. Or so, as well as anyone. That will be very interesting to see what happens there, and. There's so much now. There's so much difference in college football with the transfers and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, who knows what's going to yeah. happen? Who knows how many kids are going to start leaving? Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess to me, there were signs, obviously, that Danny knows can run a good offense. Like we said, the Louisville game. I think really the I still I always think back to that first series against Florida, where they moved the ball right down the field against Florida, which ended up being a really good team this year. Has one of the better defenses in the country. And they just marched right down the field with quick passes. They ran, they went pretty high tempo. They ended up kicking a field goal because they failed on the third down in the red zone. But, um, and we thought, wow, 
Yeah. I, I thought, I thought, yeah. Darren Williams, man, he's the real deal. And, and, and I still had, think, and I the still... offense they had seemed perfectly suited for him. And then we saw it just not consistently throughout the year. Right. Um, I think it was a lot of times trying to do too much. You know, I, I was never. I know a lot of people throughout the year kind of complained, like, why are they running so much play action mm-hmm. with that offensive line? And I, I didn't totally buy all that because their strength was their running back. So, of course, you're going to run play action. But then in the Duke game, they were running play action in the rain and with two back, you know, with the third string guard. In, like, there was just some – he didn't adjust the playbook enough, I think, for the personnel. And that's going to be the question if he's back next year is can what, – what will he have learned from year one? Will he? I thought be the same exact kind thing. of stubborn and, and I, stick exactly. to exactly. He seems kind of stubborn, right? I kind of like him, but I know everybody's trashing him now. Yeah. But uh, I, he seems very smart, but also seems. Yeah, I mean, a lot of their success came uh, running quick passes over the middle mm-hmm. and spreading it out, and then you know the pros they ran pretty well out of the bunch sets and the the uh, I formation stuff. So. It's it just sometimes the play calling felt like you're just kind of throwing darts, right? Like especially in the red zone on third down, where maybe you're trying to figure out something that works, and there was kind of like no rhythm to the play calling, where you know you'd run a jet sweep to Brevin Jordan out of nowhere, and stuff like that. Like I think just tightening up the playbook, figuring out you know you know what personnel you have now, you know what your quarterback is, you know what your offensive line is. Maybe he can figure it out next year. That's going to be the question. Is Will he? Does Manny have the confidence in him to utilize the personnel better to tighten up the playbook and run what they should be running more often? Because that is in Danios's playbook. It's not like he doesn't run any spread stuff. They right. ran spread to success this year. It's just how how stubborn will Manny be with his part of the game and how that's that's coaching, right? It's and are you going to be too stubborn to to know what you should be doing with your personnel? And and, and here's another uh, here's another part of this. I mean, Manny Diaz himself had growing pains. Yeah. I mean, he had some time management yeah, situations or not calling timeouts in certain situations where maybe he had three timeouts left and, you know, call a timeout, calm everybody down, figure out what the best option is, and sometimes he didn't earlier in the season. I just think he also is Probably first year growing pains. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Enos is supposed to be the more veteran guy. I guess is the issue, right? He's been an offensive coordinator before, so right. So you got to be well. He yeah, but he didn't really call plays. I think at um, at oh yes, yes, he did. Yes, Arkansas, he did. He did. So mm -hmm. so that's. I mean, you expected it to be better on that side of the ball. That was where the more veteran coaches were. Um, And to me, I mean, I think just a simple fix just will go quicker. Right, I mean, yeah, it, it can I be really hard maybe like, when you I, got all those freshmen in there, you know, two freshman offensive linemen, a redshirt freshman quarterback, a lot of young guys at wide receiver. So maybe that slow, hampers you a little bit. But I mean, if you looked at Bill Connolly at ESPN every after every game, does these like advanced box scores where it's like gives all these different metrics and then gives the percentage of like how likely was each team to actually win this game based on all these stats. Wow, and Miami if. Probably went like ten and two in those box. Like they, every game, if you looked at it, the box score after the game and took out like one or two stats, usually third downs and the final score. Miami typically kind of dominated on like a yards per play basis. Yeah. But when you play slow, you let these 
worst team, it just create shrinks the margin. You know, yeah, that's kind if of if you only have ten <laughs> possessions in a game or something like that, then the other team only needs to beat you in those ten possessions. But if you're running faster and you get it up to fourteen possessions, it just shrink it makes the margin for error bigger. And when you're more talented, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm a big college mm-hmm. basketball guy, and it was the big criticism for Virginia for years until they finally won was. They were always good, but they ran so slow, so they got upset in the NCAA tournament every year by number 16 seed UMBC or whatever. Because once you when you're playing a slower possession game, it creates the chances for an upset. And uh, it just seems like such a simple fix. Maybe there were reasons they couldn't do it because of how young they were, but yeah, you know what, David? I even noticed that change. FIU. Yeah, when was, they're down, they were, FIU was going fast. Yeah. They were going fast, fast, yeah. fast. Everybody was against UM mm-hmm. lately, you yeah. know? And especially when, when the defense is on the field so much for Miami. If you oh, go yeah. fast, then they're tired. And right? then they make, one, sub, they make one, one mistake, mistake. Yeah. and they're screwed. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Miami should be the, you know, they're the most talented team in the ACC other than Clemson, probably. You got to take advantage with of their that. guys healthy, right? You got to take advantage <laughs> of that by, you know, spreading it out for the athletes a little bit more. Um, you know, do what Jaron does best, which was throw quick passes. Throw Be slants. simple, I, I, and it's then fine. and run a lot of plays. Run a lot of plays. That's the. I mean, it's the Chip Kelly school of thought: is run a lot of plays, and if you're better, you're going to win because you, as the plays increases, the odds of an upset decrease. And it, it's just simple math that, and Manny's a, you know, Manny talks about he's a big metrics guy. Like it's stuff I'm sure he thinks about whether he thinks it's the right way to play. Who knows? But it's something he knows because you know he's a smart guy. I yes, think, in that very regard. smart. All right, um, you got another point, or are you ready to go on to the next? Uh, let's move. Let's move on because we went really long on that. Uh, it is the, the last podcast, the end of the regular season podcast. So. Wow, I kind of remember last year. Remember the podcast? Weren't we doing it last year with Mark Rick before he quit? Yeah, last year was weird. Woo! Yeah. Nicosi Perry problems, mm-hmm. which we haven't had any. I'm knocking yeah. on the table. Um, so, yeah, we, we thought we'd done with like some year-end awards. Obviously, there's a bowl okay. game still to go, but we already you know, Trayvon Hill looks like he's not playing. You know, a lot of guys are – it's going to be weird, whatever the bowl game, when they play yeah. in Shreveport and – uh, I just don't see it. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, that later. Okay. All right. So we figured we'd do offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, rookie of the year on both sides of the ball. Um, run down some of our biggest surprises. So okay. Um, let's start with the, an obvious one. Which that is uh, defensive defensive rookie <laughs> of the year. Okay. We're counting redshirt freshmen as rookies. I just wrote about him this morning, Greg yeah, Rousseau. Greg Rousseau, right? He's a, he was just named defensive. Uh, ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year. And who knows, tomorrow we might get Defensive Defensive Player player of the Year. I mean, redshirt freshman, he played in two games last year, one of them very sparingly, the second game, and broke his foot. Amazing, Mm -hmm. amazing what he's done this year. He's the best draft prospect they've had since... Or 14 sacks, I think, yeah. He's the most impressive draft prospect they've had since David Njoku. Probably even longer ago further back. Oh, and he's a redshirt freshman. Yeah. No brainer. Uh, I think no he's brainer. also kind of no brainer for defensive player of the year, right? I uh, possibly for uh, for Miami defensive player. Of the oh year. no, yeah, no doubt. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yes. A couple other guys were good. I mean, Shaq ended up having a pretty good year. Oh yeah, um, Shaq. You know what? Shaq needs to get his. It's Rousseau. Yeah, Shaq was 
was very more than solid. Yeah. Very good, but yeah, I agree. Russo. Um, all right. Um, offensive Rookie of the Year. This one, there are actually a couple choices. Uh, defense was pretty much just Greg. Offense, we've got really three guys played a lot. Um, Jaron, obviously. Right. Again, we're counting Jaron. Freshman. And the two offensive linemen, Zion Nelson and It's kind Ja'Kai of weird. Clark. And Ja'Kai Clark, yeah. It's kind of like, it's, I mean, the offensive line was so mm-hmm. substandard that yeah. subpar. It's whatever. hard to. It's hard to say there, you know, I guess, I mean, boy, they had to go through a lot to start as true freshmen. Yeah. And they probably learned a lot, but just, I don't know. It's hard because they didn't do, I mean, the line. Yeah, to it's, me, it's. The line is a group. The offensive line is not really an individual award. I mean, it really... Right, yeah. Whole... We'll talk more about the offensive line because I've got them for one of my awards. Okay, so, we'll do that later. Um, I, I... But offensive rookie of the year, I think we're both in agreement on Jaron, just kind of by yes. default. Yeah, I mean, to me, Jaron was, was a but... very special player who, I don't know, I don't know, the last two games... Just is... fell, off, fell apart. Yeah, t- terrible. And I, yeah, I mean... It, it's a no-brainer. It would have been for sure. We wouldn't have been saying oh, this with asterisk. Game, we would have been talking about him as offensive player of the year for Miami. And... Yeah, for sure. Um, but he, he, I don't know. I don't understand. I mean, I, is it, I can't believe it's all offensive line. It's not because, no. I mean, they did so well. Not that Louisville proved to be that great, but, I mean, I mean, he's... He, I think the, the Duke game was a lot of offensive line and... And weather. Yes, and they um, yeah, and then they were getting hurt. I mean, yeah. the two guys it just got fell hurt. apart. The, the FIU game. I mean, that's obviously the biggest case against Jared for the year. It's just inexplicable what happened in the first uh, like seventeen minutes of that or thirty-two minutes of that game. Um, but he's just kind of is by default. He was the starting quarterback all year. They went to a bowl, or not all year, but most of the year they went to a bowl. His highs were really high. Obviously, Louisville. You know, he was good against Florida. Really good defense in the opener. Um, I think yeah, there's the some. Guy. I think there's. I agree. I think there's something with Jaron that that's something off the field. That's not not. It's like a holistic thing with Jaron. There's yeah. something I, I mean, psychologically emotional or emotionally. And... There's something because I think he's super talented. Mm-hmm. But there's something with him that affects him. There are things that affect him. You could just see that sense yeah. that if we've been covering and we follow carefully yeah. what goes on and just. His, uh, like, his whole demeanor. Demeanor, There's something. He's a great guy. I I I really like him. I really like. He's pretty sharp. He's got pretty good mechanics. Very talented. I I mean, I can say all good things, but there's something that isn't that doesn't happen on the field that is affecting Jared. It's it's when he's struggling to read the defense. I think is when he. Struggles, you know. It's he he tries to throw the slant when it's not there, just because you know that's right. the first read. I just and that's I, that, but that's I'm just saying that's mental part of the game. That's big, you know. That's okay. Not reading the defense isn't just about. But there's what also something the in his whole being, like twenty four seven. There's something going on where he's. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's. I, I'm not going to say it's maturity, but there's I mean, something there, he needs to improve on, and he knows what be, it is. There are always going to be question marks with him because of the. Transfer, not transfer. Yeah, he, right. That, that, that's I, just going to loom. That's going to be part of his story. I as think long he's, as he's in college. He is very. It's okay. I, he's emotional. Mm-hmm. I and uh, maybe I don't know what could help him. That something can help him. Yeah. He has to work. I think on 
hit whatever it is he knows best yeah. and he's got to figure it out and he probably has and 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 address it kind of head on i don't think any mm-hmm. of us know exactly but mm-hmm. there's something there that that does it isn't right yeah all right uh let's move on to offensive player of the year um I think we're in agreement on this one, although there were a couple candidates. As you mentioned, Jerem is in the mix, but obviously yeah, Jerem, yeah, exactly. The last two games, um, I say DJ Dallas. I think you agree, D- right? hundred uh, percent. Even though he missed a couple games this year, just his uh, consistency. Yeah, oh, Brevin Jordan is kind of the guy I have number two, but he basically missed the last three games. Brevin, and yeah, he he missed the last three games. He played in one. Ga- you know, he's a tight end, like. There's some games where you I, I mean, Brevin's fabulous, but I, I have, to, have to go with DJ Dallas. Um, DJ Dallas just uh, – they've played now 12 games. He, yeah. So he's missed he two missed games. Two. He missed the pick game and the but, finale. But even two. the games that he missed – FIU. He was, he can't, uh, even the games he missed, DJ would travel in the yeah. plane. He's such uh, – to me, he was a leader. Yeah. Uh, and and – I. He cares so much, and he's talented. Yeah. I mean, he he's well, yeah, averaging like seven hundred yards. Like it wasn't no. like huge numbers, but yeah, seven six. Yeah, but here's the thing: he averaged six. Ta- he averaged six yards a carry. Okay, mm-hmm. um, which is really good, and he, and he's a really good receiver. Yeah, you said that right. Really good and in then the game, he really good. It's great hands, passes. and he's and he leads the team with ten touchdowns. Okay, yeah. eight touchdowns rushing, two receiving. Um, and uh, he didn't lose me. He didn't at a seven hundred eighteen yards gained. He only he only lost twenty five yards all yeah. season. Um, uh, the, the and kid this is again just, behind not a great offensive line. No, and he a really, lot of his he, yards came in big plays. And he'd break two or three tackles and take it sixty absolutely. yards. He wasn't getting the benefit of the you know a guy. Alabama or Wisconsin, their running back is every time they're touching the ball, they're getting three. Yeah, points, where he just right? goes through this open hole. He would find the, he holes. Find the holes. He would twist. Yeah. He would turn. He would do all these acrobatic things. Mm-hmm. He willed himself into the end zone a lot. You saw that. Yeah, I mean, like, he had a lot of long touchdown runs. He's and and he's just um, you know positive Nelly, right? That's yeah. what he called himself. It just the whole I, DJ's. Everything about DJ uh, is to me is a plus. Yeah, to me he's a guy who you know the, I don't know what the injury will do for his draft stock, but he's a guy that I think will be an interesting draft prospect because he's a good right. receiver because he is. I think he'll end up better than his because what he he's have picked. A lot of carries. Yeah, he's I, a guy I think who, he's going to be. I, I, I would guess he'll be a late round pick, but again, right. I think he'll make a roster. Well, especially now, who knows what? That yeah, I'm saying. With, assuming he's yeah. fully healthy. Um, yeah, I think. I would think he was going to turn pro, yeah. right? Running backs, I would still think he is. You know, that's why running backs turn pros because they get hurt. Right? Yeah, they don't like, last yeah. as long, right? So and he actually doesn't have a ton of carries under him. Like I said, he, uh, I think he's going to impress people when they like watch the film. Do you know? Dave, just looking at the numbers. I agree. You know that Cameron Harris. So Cam has played in two more games yeah. than DJ, and he has 102 carries compared to 115 for DJ. Carry number actually ended up really close. I guess Very he close. Those two and he's good. Cameron's really good. Yeah. 563, but DJ is yeah. hands they're both, down. They're both really good, but yeah, DJ, six yards a carry. I and and Brevin Jordan, total talent, but again, I, I he missed three games, basically, and he's a yeah. tight end. Wow. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see if he, we'll see next year. Yeah. They have him for be. one more year. Yeah, they got him for one more year. They got <laughs> two potential first round picks in the twenty twenty one draft. So yeah, because Greg Rousseau Greg can go next yeah, year. So. so the top end talent next year is as good as it's been in a little while. Yep. Um, all right, let's finish with um, 
Well, I guess well, quick shout out special teams player oh, of the year. We didn't, yeah, I didn't have hold on. List. And biggest surprise. I'll, I'll, okay. Who's your special teams player of the year? To me, it's between KJ and Lou Headley. Oh, yeah, Lou Headley. Oh. I think Lou Headley. Oh, just, I'm Lou Headley all the yeah. way. KJ Lou, was really good on punt returns. But, very good. But Headley. I'm Lou Headley. And, and my... If anything, just because of the flip from last year where they had the worst punting situation in the country and Lou Headley, not that he was the best punter in the country, but... And a, he was really good. And I have I'm gonna I'm gonna segue right into another special teams yeah, thing. Your okay. biggest surprise. My biggest surprise, positive and negative, was <laughs> the kicking the game, thing. right? Yeah. Where the kicking game. Um Bubba Baxa, oh my gosh, forget it. Yeah. I, I good good kickoff specialist. Good kickoff <laughs> specialist, but um just just fell apart and yeah. that was the end of the story. And mm-hmm. then uh and to me, Camden Price was the biggest special team surprise um, because, uh, you know, who would have thought that this kid from your state, Maryland, Maryland yeah. would come in and he was, Camden was a walk-on redshirt freshman. He can yeah. be our uh, special teams freshman of the year. <laughs> I mean, he think about this, okay? Think about the turmoil with the kicking yeah. game. I they mean, they were losing games. They, they were losing. Yeah. They could have lost. They could have beat Florida. I, I, I really think mm-hmm. so. I, there were a couple games more than that where the kicking screwed yeah, everything Florida, up. Florida, Virginia Tech. But Camden Price comes in, and I'm look. I'm not saying that Camden Price is the, a, a NFL award, kicker, yeah. right, or a top college kicker. But he kicked. He, he, he turns out. You know, he kicks uh, six of seven field goals he made. Mm-hmm. Okay. They were, five of them were 20 to 29, and one of them was 30 to 39. But hey, the other guys couldn't do anything. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. They couldn't do anything. And and the extra. Shout ball, out to Bubba Baxter, though, hitting a 50 yarder. That's true. We, <laughs> we, we, forgot to, we forgot to say that. Yeah, we forgot. And, and how about this? Camden. I don't even take for granted PATs anymore. Extra points. Yeah. I do not. When they and line how many, up. How many did Baxter miss? Oh my God, Baxa was fifteen for seventeen. Oh, come on, extra points. Yeah, but Camden Price was eighteen of eighteen. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a big difference. I, I, yeah, so um, that's my that's my gold star mm-hmm. for special teams. Yeah, and uh, yeah. All right, my biggest surprise. I'm gonna uh, say just the not necessarily the play of the offensive line. I think we all thought it was going to be rough. But just the fact that they went out and started two true freshmen. And two true freshmen who were not particularly highly touted recruits. Zion Nelson, they flipped from Appalachian, Appalachian. State. Appalachian, yep. Ja'Kai Clark, they flipped from Illinois. Like, those are two guys who, sure, maybe they were interesting developmental prospects. Ja'Kai Clark was like a true center who looked like maybe he was going to be the center of the future. And, and Zion Nelson was a kind of crazy athlete, early enrolled. Right. Um I didn't expect either of them to be starting and this year. And obviously they were up and down, you know, Zion Nelson sometimes. I think there's, with Zion in particular, there's a lot to kind of still be intrigued about with him just because of that frame, that athleticism. Right. A lot of his mistakes were kind of just like easy freshman, like not getting up into his stance quick, you know, just getting beaten off the ball a lot. Um, that has to be shock. Right, when yeah, you're I mean, it's right out of high school. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, Jakai Clark, I think, was pretty a, a good run blocker, pretty up and down. But just the fact that they started those two, I think it was 
who knows how it'll work out long term. But in theory, it was a smart idea when you know your offensive line is going to be pretty rough anyway to throw these guys in the fire and think of the long-term development. And the offensive line improved a lot through the year. I know they were yep. bad against uh, Duke, but again, um, a lot of injuries in that game, although they were struggling with the blitz before that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, they were good against Pitt. They were good against Louisville. Good enough against Yeah, they were getting IU. better. They were getting better. Yeah. Um, that's why the, the end of the season, I, I remember talking about this two weeks ago, that this season was, they saw what they could be in Louisville, and if you're a Miami fan, you just wanted to see them not somehow totally screw up the last two weeks, and they totally screwed up the last two weeks. They did. And it's impossible to like know what this team's future is. It's just, there's something about the Miami program. Historically, historically in the last decade, it's just like... Everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Yeah, and then when they they start doing well... And they used up all their good karma in 2017 when they won all those close games during the Orange Bowl, (laughs) and ever since then, it has been a mess. (laughs) Kind of. I mean, they were. It's just yeah. you couldn't figure it out. But it always happened. This team. That, that, that's why I'm not. I'm not too confident on the bowl. I'm really yeah. not with all the injuries and stuff. But we got to get into the bowl. Uh, game. Yeah, we're running let's long, so let's get into the bowl game. Uh, you've been following the projections more closely than I have. Where are we spending Christmas? This well, year? let's see. We've got. <laughs> we've got. The Walk-On's Independence Bowl. And we've got the Walk-On's Independence Bowl. Here's another Independence Bowl. <laughs> it sounds we've, like we're going to Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. Well, it's it, 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 the projections, and, and, and honestly, these guys that make, some, make the projections, it's, it's not that they just, you know, toss something up in the yeah. air, but it's, but it's they're not. A lot not, of it is, yeah. A lot of it is just guess. When you get down to yeah. that, yeah. When you get down to that tier. It, when you get down to that tier, yeah. When it's, yeah and I think... Maybe it's Independence Bowl. I'm like, whatever. I'm, I'm kind of Annapolis still. Military. Annapolis, and then well, the military. Um, I don't know if I saw any. Yeah, I don't that, even but, see any but it's now the same for military. Tier. It's the same tier, so it's a possibility. Right? I guess so. I and the Music City Bowl is also really? a possibility. Yes, and that's December thirtieth, four p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, against an SEC team, right? SEC team, although. Uh, the projection by uh, College Football News is Liberty because I think it's an, it's it's SEC versus there could be ACC. Too many SEC teams that go to like New Year's Six Bowls and yeah, the S- there's not enough a- yeah. SEC teams to fill out that and, mm-hmm. and 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 ACC by the way has like I think the most teams going to bowl has like ten teams. Yeah, I think so. Going to bowls, so they so that so UM could end up in a bowl that's not. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really different. hard to project where they could wind also, up. Also, there's another one, David. Um, Tampa oh, the Gasparilla Bowl. Bowl. I, I, I just don't I know. FAU or December 23rd. Uh, I, somebody, uh, yeah, I don't know. FAU. I, I, I don't know. There might not be enough an Conference you, USA teams. Do you have an opponent you want them to play at this I don't, point? I don't really want. This is terrible. This really sounds homerish, but I, I would rather them not play UCF because. They get crushed. I, I, yeah, yeah. I think they're gonna. I, I think they're gonna lose. Yeah, heartily, or whatever the word is to UCF, and then it's Miami lost to UCF. To UCF Miami lost to Florida. Miami, Miami lost to, to FIU, FIU, and you know, um, they at least beat Florida State, and they can always take solace beat, in that that they're yeah, one of their the worst mighty teams Florida in State. Years, they beat Florida. That's State. true, I, but um, it would be interesting. Okay, so people that. 
um, or that don't really love Miami. I mean, it's pro- it probably would, it would be an interesting game to see, right? It would probably be very interesting. But who wants to see Liberty? Um, you know, the, hey, by the way, it would be the same thing for FAU. Yeah. I, wow. Can you imagine if they lost to FAU and FIU? FIU? I don't mean to be a downer here, but in the same season. <laughs> Well, um, we'll, uh, we'll talk more bowl projections. Uh, or not projections. Are we changing the subject we'll already? Talk, we'll talk more bowl have, next week once we actually have We the, can. Uh, and by the way, another there, there's some projections like UM versus Western Kentucky. Yuck. Like, who's yeah. going to watch that game, right? Yeah, that's, and there's a, a lot co- of those independence ball matchups, right? Would yeah, be just and like, UM versus La Tech. Louisiana Tech is another one. The Blake Baker Bowl. But UCF is a, by the way, independence bowl. Yeah. UM and UCF is ESPN. I guess ESPN. the a- AAC might be in the same position as the ACC where they have too many. Yes. Teams. I mean, look, at U, UM versus UCF, It'd actually, it would like, be a cool. Be an interesting one. Okay, I know yeah. I said I didn't really want to see it because I'm just assuming, shame on me, that UM's <laughs> going to lose, and it's like, oh, my God. Well, if you can't Talk get them up for that game, for like me, that's the best chance you have of getting them. That is true. That is a good game. point. Okay, I changed my mind. <laughs> you want I changed my mind. Okay. Yeah, I'll take UCF. So I'll see you in Shreveport on December 27th. 26th. 26th. 4 p.m. I'll put, I'll put, all right, I'll, I'll change my mind. I'll, I'll take UCF. <laughs> All right, um, I think we can wrap up there because we're running a little long. We will be back um, probably early next week, though, to talk about – we'll get the – obviously the Bulls will get announced Sunday. Um, and the early signing period is sneaking up on us. Uh, yes, it is. It's earlier this year because of how Christmas falls. So um, next week will probably also be our, our signing day preview. Um, it's actually been weirdly good for Miami on the recruiting trail over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they've lost considering some – They've how, lost some people, right? But Yeah, but they've gotten – they've gotten a couple – Guys, they've just so, got to hope yeah. that they hold on to those guys, but it's yeah. getting close, right? It's getting and close. They, and, I mean, yeah. you'll know in two weeks, right? And they're but, most of them, a lot of them, right, are going to be early signees. Yes. So yeah, I mean, the goal is, I'd be, you know, I think they have twenty-one commits right now. I would think nineteen of them at least are early signees as long as they stick. So we'll see. We'll okay. talk more about that next week. Awesome. Um, thanks, as always, for listening, though. Thank um, you, everybody. Be sure to check, keep up with uh, Miami Herald, MiamiHerald.com. Um, quiet week for us in terms of what we're writing about UM, but um, obviously. We'll and next back. week might be quiet too because our next week uh, UM has finals. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I've got recruiting stuff coming most oh, days. We, that's so true. We'll see our we'll how Manny we'll gives t- us availability. Yeah, we'll talk about. Uh, we'll have our bowl stories coming over the weekend. So um, you can follow Susan on Twitter at s miller degnan. You can follow me at DB Wilson too. Um, Thanks as always for listening and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you everybody.